passage, if you know what I'm saying. It's talking about stars exploding and sons of men coming on clouds. It's, it's, and, um, and it's just got like crazy, and this is the type of passage where people get a bit, you know, Da Vinci Code, a bit Indiana Jones. They start looking at signs in the world and they think, hmm, maybe the abomination is Donald Trump. Or if you're on the other side, maybe the abomination is Joe Biden. And, and maybe, you know, like we, maybe, you know, this is one of those passages. And there was a season when I was growing up, um, when, I was, when I was a kid, I still remember, I don't know if my parents remember, but when, when I was a kid, discussion of end times was just massive it was the thing of the day every church had their view and they were talking about whether you were pre-millennial a millennial and whether jesus comes here here or here and what this means and what that means um now i'm going to give if you were like if you love that stuff and you delve deeply i'm hoping to make this passage just a lot more boring to you because what i'm going to suggest to you and, 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 and by the way, it doesn't matter, um, there's other views out there, but I'm, I'm very convinced that Jesus is actually directly talking about events in that time, in, in the coming fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, that he's not actually directly talking about the end times. Now, even if you disagree with that, which there are very smart people, smarter than me, who disagree with, um, that also, though, I want to demystify it in this way, is that... We need to be careful that we don't use the Word of God for not what it was for. The Bible is there to help us be followers of Jesus. And Jesus has said, you know, like, you know, go and baptize people in, in my name and practice them to obey everything I've commanded them. So we're people whose number one focus when we open the Bible is how does this help me follow Jesus? We're, you know, and if, and if someone approaches it with that heart, um, and they're, they're always going to get fruit from a passage like this, even if they, if they interpret it as it speaks to our end times or not. Because Jesus has really practical advice in this passage for how to behave when things are crazy. Because even if this is just talking about local things in, in, in time and history, the advice stands true for all crazy times. He says things like, don't be alarmed. He says things like, stand firm. He's, you know, don't let your love grow cold. These are things that in all seasons of this crazy, sinful world, they're always relevant. Um, but we're going to, so hopefully, um, yeah, this will be a bit of fun. You, if you can have Matthew 24 open in front of you in some form, that will make this a lot easier for you. Um, but I just, um, a lot of my influence, so um, the, the lecturers I sat under and also um, a lot of people here, um, have indulged in the teaching of Tim Mackey. They're very influential in my understanding of this passage off the bat. So if you want to look at his treatment of this um, passage um, in his podcast, Exploring My Strange Bible, there's, a pod, there's an episode where he deals with this, and that's definitely very influential for me. But I really believe this, and this is what I want to challenge all of us today, and be really good to... Um, even, and I'm sure, actually, a lot of people here would really get what I'm talking about, that... If your lens is, how does this help me follow Jesus, you can actually, I think you can't really land in different places. The advice is pretty much the same. No matter whether you have this really end times focus or you have a very, where you don't really have that focus. If your focus is, what has Jesus got for me in terms of how I live, I think we end up in a very similar place. Um, 
So our main focus is what does it look like to follow Jesus? So this is... Now, some of you will love this stuff, and some of you go, oh, this stuff, you know, oh, this, this crazy language and imagery, it doesn't do it. It's, but some people really love this stuff. But um, if, if it's not really a cup of tea, just bear with me, because I think what Jesus has to say to us through it is still really important. Um, because I don't know if you've noticed, but you could argue this is a crazy time in the world. This is a crazy time in the world. This is a time where there's wars and rumours of wars. This is a time where there's kingdoms rising and falling. This is a time... Like, this is... A lot of these things are happening right now, which means the advice of Jesus to us is relevant whether he's talking directly about now or not. Um, whether, it, whether or not that's true. But to get a real grasp of helping us localise what he's saying, it's really helpful to start at the end of chapter 23. So I'm just going to read chapter 23, verse 37 to 39. And it says this, it says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we, we're not going to unpack that deeply, but only to say the backdrop of what Jesus is saying here is on, is on the backdrop of the Jews rejecting Jesus. So Jesus has come to their city, Jerusalem, and, and has said, you know, I have longed to bring you under my wings. I have longed to bring you back to God. You have rejected to me, and your house is left to you desolate. In other, so it's a, pronouncement, it's a pronouncement of judgment. You know, you've rejected me. Now, of course, there were Jews that accepted Jesus. His disciples are Jewish. But as a general theme in the New Testament, the Jews have rejected Jesus, the one he came to them first. And that helps us frame what Jesus says next. So chapter 24, so let's start our crazy chapter. Verse, verse 1 to 2. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked. Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. Now, if you've ever looked at the excavations of the temple um, in Jerusalem, when they say, look at these buildings, they're not kidding. The temple dominated the skyline of Jerusalem. It was incredible, impressive. It was a very, very impressive building. And if you look at it, you will still be impressed, even in model form. Like, it's like... Hugely. So it's not surprising that the disciples are like, whoa, Jesus, check out that. And Jesus, to kill their enthusiasm straight away, says, oh, that's just going to be broken down in a moment. Um, says, truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. So he says, he says the temple is going to be destroyed. So if you go, well, remember, chapters and verses are added by people. So if you read from the end of chapter 3 to the start of 24... It actually all flows. You know, he says, your house is left to you desolate. And then he says, the temple is going to be destroyed. So, so it's actually a flow. So this is a pronounced, this is all part of that dialogue around Jerusalem. He's saying, look, guys, Jerusalem is going to fall. The house is going to be left desolate and the temple is going to be destroyed. And, and what I want you to focus on in verse 3, and this helps us not get carried away and talk about, you know, atomic bombs and Donald Trump and this this actually helps us because Jesus is actually answering the disciples questions he asked they asked two questions so in verse 3 it says this 
As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? So first of all, when will what happen? The end of time. No, no, no. no. The, the, the fall of the temple. Yeah, the fall of the temple. They're asking a very specific question. They're not asking about anything else in that moment. When will this happen? The fall of the temple. So that's a specific question. And then they ask, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they've asked one or two questions. Two, two questions. Three. Three. Three? Yeah. Oh. Okay. That's true. You could group that. You could group that. But yes, Mum. Three questions. Linguistics. Something you're trying to avoid. We'll edit we'll, we'll that out for the people. No, that's two. Okay, Mum says three questions. I said three. I said three. There's three questions. Um, but what's really cool, is, and this is what we don't focus on when we read the passage, when we just read it cold, is that Jesus is not answering the last two questions, Mum. Jesus is not answering the last two questions until verse 35. His first, up to verse 34, it's all in relation to the first question. And with the reason we know that, he actually, in verse 33, right, if you jump over, it says, even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Right, what's at the door? The destruction of the temple. temple. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. And in the Bible, what's, when the Bible says a generation, how long are we talking? 40 years. 40 years. 40 years. When, when, when a generation died in the desert, it was... They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. So, a very plain reading of this from the start is Jesus says, I'm talking about what will happen in the next generation or so. That's what he's saying. So, 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 but then when we read it, we go, really? Is it just talking about that? Because this sounds like pretty crazy language. And so we're going to get into it. Whatever we, but what I want to say is that Jesus' focus... Jesus' focus is not so that we could make movies like The Da Vinci Code and Indiana Jones. Jesus' focus here is helping his followers know how to live in this crazy time that's coming. And that's why it's always relevant to us. It's relevant to us whether it's talking about now or then. And that's why it's relevant. Um, but let's see what Jesus let's see what Jesus says here. All right? Jesus answered, verse 4. Watch out. So he's answering. One question here, when will this happen? He's talking about the destruction of the temple. Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Now, we know from historical records that soon after Jesus, there were already people going around saying, I'm the Messiah. So he could easily be talking about what happened soon after that. So we know that. Um, and if you know anything about the Roman Empire, is this a time where there's lots of wars and rumours of wars in the world? How do Rome get power? War. That's, so, so this is a time in the world where there's a lots of wars and rumours of wars and kingdoms fighting kingdoms and kingdoms falling. Um, and Jesus' advice is to them is to not be what? Don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. 
It's, this is just the beginning. This is just the birth pains. Now, the reason we want to think and we naturally read that he's talking about our time, because you can kind of see that he is. Because these things are always in a sinful world. The, 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 you know, the people claiming to be special messiahs, war, wars, nations rising against nation. So it's very natural for you to take on the advice, and so you should. It's not like Jesus is not giving advice that's relevant to now. But what I'm just pointing out to you is that when you realise what he's talking about, it can all apply just then for those people right then as well. Um, but the command, and this is where as followers of Jesus we must centre on, don't be alarmed. And that's why when people approach these passages and they're not got to focus on following Jesus, it leads to all these crazy focuses on end times and documentaries which produce fear, which produce division, which produce arguments because they haven't approached the passage with the number one thing. What is Jesus asking me to do here? Because all that stuff needs to be careful because Jesus' first instruction is, hey, if things are going to get crazy, you know what I want my followers to be? I don't want you to be alarmed. I want you to be people of peace. I want you to be calm. I want you to have... Why can Christians be calm? We have our trust in Jesus. He's the one that knows all things. He's the one that will, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He can lead us through any difficult time. And we know it's going to be a difficult time for the Christians in the next generation or so. We know that in history, that it's going to be a difficult time for them. So Jesus is giving them really practical advice. But let's keep reading. Verse, verse 9. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The end of what? Yeah, see, this is where, and this is where, okay, the, the confusion you're feeling now, we're touching right on the heart of the scholarly debate. So that's cool. That's cool. Because so right here, there's a school of thought that Jesus, without warning, has pivoted to talking about the end times and then at the same time. So that's one school of thought. And if you have that school of thought, much smarter people than me have that school of thought as well. So it's okay. It's okay for you to go, Nate, I disagree. It's talking about the end times. Okay? Okay. That's fine. I don't. But I think, I think he's still talking about the end of the temple. The end will come. It'll come. Jerusalem will fall. I think, I think that's what he's talking about. But what's good is that with our Christian lens on, what we get out of it remains the same. Are Christians those who let their love grow cold when everyone else is getting crazy and hateful and blaming each other and turning on each other? No, we are those, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. So whether it's talking about, you know, whether you are going to side against me with the scholars who say, Nate, it's talking about the end times, or whether you're with me and saying, no, it's not really, it's indirect, if anything, it's just indirectly referring to it. This is true no matter what. Followers of Jesus in times of turmoil, we aren't alarmed, we don't turn on each other, we remain to be people of love, 
and we keep following Jesus. In the context of Matthew's gospel, what does it mean to stand firm? In Matthew's gospel, Jesus is set up as the new king. Okay, so in Matthew's gospel, what it means to stand firm is to stay true to the true king. No matter how bad things get, even when Rome comes and flattens Jerusalem, stay true to the true king. Do you see how that's relevant? It's relevant, isn't it? It's okay if you're in the other camp. We have the same advice from Jesus no matter what. Don't let your love grow cold. Continue to love God and love others. Keep following Jesus as your king. And don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. There is something more powerful. There is someone more powerful who loves us, who died for us. Don't be alarmed. Now, the reason um, I think this is just referring to local events is that this happened in Acts. He's talking to the people, many of them, who were handed over and were, and were put to death. This happened in the, in, in the book of Acts, right, right, right as we read the Bible. It talks about many turning away from the faith. That happened. When Jesus died on the cross, he was deserted by a whole bunch of followers as well. So we know that happened as well. And so, but like I said, because we're in a sinful world, these things have always continued to happen. So it's natural to read our own times into them. Absolutely. But, so, and then and the next two bits, this is when, seriously, this is when it gets major Da Vinci Code, major what's he talking about. Um, but, that's, but it's also in these two part sections. I don't want to spend a lot of time. I just want to give you some insights into it, and let's just bring it home and talk about how we respond as Christians. But, okay, because this is like, I mean, you can probably find whole crazy documentaries on YouTube just on the next bit here. So verse 15 says this. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. So some people think Matthew wrote that in there, saying you really need to understand Daniel before you start saying this was Donald Trump and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, um, um, so before the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. So Matthew's saying, by the way, go read Daniel. Don't just presume you know what I'm talking about here. But... But we know, but before we even go into Daniel, which we need to go into to understand the next bit, do you know that we already know, we already know this, when Rome came and flattened the temple, do you know that they stuck a monument in the holy place of Titus? So a monument to Titus, and on that monument they had images of them plundering the temple. So we actually know that what they did was they took their own idols and they sacrificed idols to their own gods in the middle of the temple. We know they did that. And so they did put something that was absolutely an abomination to the temple when they did that. So very, very, when we look at history, it's quite clear. Jesus could just be talking about what is about to happen to them specifically. That they are going to abominate the temple. They are going to put their own images in there. They are going to sacrifice to their own gods in there. But this is when, and this is, all right, this is when we get super crazy. Verse 16 to 22 then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to their cloak, how, to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. So I know once again, oh, surely this is end times, mate. This is end times. It has to be end times. 
I, I know, I know that's what, but we need to, like, I need to be humble, right? We need to be humble. How much, did you grow up reading Jewish apocalyptic texts in your bedroom growing up? Do you, are you familiar with how they work? All of us have to be a bit humble. This is in our culture. This is, now, the reason I'm going to say, no, he's still just talking about the next 40 to 70 years, like this is, I'll say, is because, do you know that Old Testament prophets, Old Testament prophets used heightened exaggeration to refer to calamitous events all the time? If you read the book of Kings, it'll say this more than once, which makes it a contradiction. There was no other king like him after this. And then it'll say it again about another king later. That's actually normal in that tradition to use heightened exaggeration that matches the feeling of the moment. So when he says, look, when, when Jerusalem is flattened, it's going to be dreadful. It actually fits. You know, pray that your flight will not take place in winter on the Sabbath. You don't want to be fleeing your homeland when it's cold. You don't want to be... There, there's going to be awful distress. And for the people of their time, it will feel like there is nothing worse than this for the rest of time. It's actually a prophecy that could fit very much what happened to Jerusalem. Um, and, and, you know, if it went on forever... Um, you know, no one would survive. But we know that God's grace was there in the book of Acts, the diaspora. God uses the diaspora to continue spreading his word. So we know that these things do come to an end. We know that Rome fell, as all big powers do. So, and, okay, but... The, so that, and so I like I said, I didn't want to spend a lot of time there. But the next bit is when... If you were going, okay, maybe Nate, maybe Nate, it's not referring to the end times. I'm almost positive most of you will get really frustrated if I say the next bit's not referring to the end times. But this is the one who I actually think when you understand it properly with scholarly help, is definitely not talking about end times. Okay, but we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. I, I find this fun because I naturally read these passages in other ways, but that's why I need help to understand them. Does that make sense? Like... This is where we're, we're, there's the school of Indiana Jones where we can just pick it up without any help and go, ah, this is that and this is that, and we can trust our own judgment. Which sometimes the Bible's really good, we can get stuff out of it without scholarly help, and then we can also use them to get even deeper truth. But I think in this case, we need some help, don't we? I mean, we're not, we're not Jewish scribes, we're not steeped in this stuff, we need to be careful. So. Let's, let's go. Verse 29. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Surely, surely this must be the end times. Okay, we'll see. I'm going to present to you a suggestion that it's not, and we'll see if you agree. Okay, we'll see. Okay, so it could be that Jesus, and this is why, this is why the scholars who said in the camp that it's not, saying, but you need to explain why Jesus has shifted without warning. Because Jesus was asked a specific question. And he's answering a specific question. So if you're in the camp that Jesus is talking about stuff beyond that, you're actually into, you need to give a reason why. Why has he jumped to that? If, if the disciples have asked him a question about then and there, and Jerusalem, why has he done But anyway, let's see how we go. Let's see how we go. So, 
The first part about stars falling from the sky and the sun will be dark, and that's easy to actually navigate because this is how prophets talk about stuff. You know, he's quoting Isaiah 13, which is a poem, which is a poem about the downfall of Babylon. And we know that Babylon did fall. The Medes overtook it, right? I think it was the Medes that destroyed Babylon, right? Now, when Babylon was destroyed, did the stars actually fall? Was the moon actually darkened? Or is this apocalyptic language to describe a normal event? A crazy historical event. So the, the, the Bible has many times in the past used full-on language like this that involves stars and moons to describe, and the city was flattened. That's all it's describing. And lots of people died, and it was a really distressful time. So Jesus wouldn't be out of the tradition of the prophets to use this sort of language to describe the fall of Jerusalem. Okay. Now, like I said, I don't actually think it's necessarily super important one way or the other if you have a focus on following Jesus. But I'm just presenting you my argument here. But the next one here, I know this is probably where you're all going, Nate, how are you going to do this? How are the scholars dealing with this one? Because it talks about the Son of Man coming on the clouds with he on heaven with power and great glory. This is surely the end. Now, this is why I think it's not. And this is why the scholars who think it's not referring to that don't think so. So in Daniel 7, where this is from, remember remember what Matthew said? You need to understand Daniel. He, he, he gave them a warning, like the reader needs to understand this is coming from something. So if you want to read Daniel 7, you can. Could I suggest that you um, prepare yourself to have your mind a bit... Okay, I don't know what I meant to get out of that. But in Daniel 7, there's a dream. Do you know, do you know there's all these beasts? There's four beasts. And they're wreaking havoc on the earth, right? They're like destroying things, there's force, and then there's a super beast. And there's a super beast which starts to crush humanity. Oh, oh. It, no, it's terrible like when the beast crushes things. It's very sad. I understand. Right. Oh. You're a bit too much, Nathan. I know I'm a bit too much. I know. <laughs> I know. Stop talking about beasts crushing them. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, but this, and this is super, I find this cool. You'll find this cool as well, okay? We'll, we'll see how we go. So, so in, the, in, this, in this passage, you've got this super beast that comes up and starts crushing humanity, right? And then the Ancient of Days appears. Do you guys know? The Ancient of Days appears on his throne, fire coming out of his throne. And he tells the beasts where to go. So the Ancient of Days comes on his throne in the heavens. Okay, you've got the beasts down on earth destroying us, all the powers of the world. And then, this is what it says about the Son of Man figure. Okay, in my vision at night I looked, and there before me, this is not from Matthew, this is from Daniel, so just listen. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a Son of Man. When the Bible says like a Son of Man, it means like a human. Okay, that's what a Son of Man is. So I, I was one like a son of man. So one of the humans that was being crushed down there, it seems, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. So I want you to think about this. The figure riding on the clouds of heavens ascended to the ancients of days from death and destruction to be seated at the right hand. So what event do you think, if that's the context of the Son of Man passage, what's, what event happened 
that might have involved the death and resurrection of someone and involved them ascending to be next to the Father at the right hand, what event might that be? Jesus, ah, thanks, David. Jesus dying on the cross and rising to be with the Father. What the scholars say, they say this isn't talking about end times. This is apocalyptic language for the Son of Man ascending from the cross to be with the Father. That's what it is. And it actually, when you read it that way, it makes so much sense what it says next. Because it says, and, then, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. After the Gospels is the book of Acts, where God sends his messages out into the world and calls them to follow Jesus. So when you read it like that, the Son of Man has ascended to be with the Father, and he has sent his call out through the earth that starts in the book of Acts. See, and, and the reason we get confused is because we're not familiar with this stuff. That's why we get confused. You are not Jews. Pete's not a Jew. Hi, Pete. No, I didn't think so. You what? Pete's not a Jew. My mum's not a Jew. My dad's not. I'm not a Jew. We, we haven't memorized the Old Testament text. We, we're not steeped in them. But I want you to be open to the fact that the Jewish audience potentially read this with a lot of common sense. And went, oh yeah, he's just referring, oh yeah, I can see how that's just Jesus. But because that language to them wasn't mystical. It was normal prophetic language. And so, now, I, I don't know if you found that helpful or not, but this is why um, we'll just go to verse 32, 33, and then we'll close up. So now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. I think he's talking about the destruction of the temple. Truly I tell you, this generation, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. If you argue that Jesus is talking about something else, you have to argue that Jesus is being very cryptic there because Jesus just said very plainly, this generation is going to see all these things. From a direct... And then, after this point, then Jesus answers the next two questions, Mark. The next two questions. <laughs> now, now, I don't know, some people may have found that more interesting than others. I, I find it really interesting. But what I remember from that time where I went to different churches and they were all talking about end time stuff is that I didn't feel like a lot of it was in a spirit of how do we best follow Jesus. It was more in a spirit of alarm, more in a spirit of getting ready, more in a spirit of bunkering down because the ends are coming. It didn't lead to people reaching out. It didn't equal people being people of love. And that's the danger in this stuff. It's okay to love it. Seriously, it's part of biblical language prophecy. Like, if you can love this stuff and get into it, but never lose the fact that we're followers of Jesus. That's the point. And Jesus was saying this to his followers to help them be ready. And so that means whether it's the fall of Jerusalem or whether it's COVID or whether it's the rise of China and the reconfiguration of the world or whether it's all these things, Jesus does have the same advice for you. And that advice is this. Don't be alarmed. Stand firm and keep following me. And don't let your love grow cold. Continue to love God. Continue to love others. So when we read 
all this stuff, we've got a few options. We can make placards and bunker down, or we can post stuff on Facebook and fight all the people out there. Or we can get on the business of loving our neighbour. We can get on the business of following Jesus. We can get on the business of modelling peace to other people. We can get in the business of actually thinking, hey, what does Jesus want from me today? That's all we need to do, right? That's all we need to do. That's To be faithful to this text, that's all we need to do. Jesus, look, I'm just going to... I think Jesus wants you... Let's say you're right. Let's say you're someone in this... I was going to say room, in this virtual and slash outdoor space. Let's say you're someone who goes, Nate, I still think it's talking about the end times. That's fine. That's okay. I don't think what Jesus wants from you changes at all. Be a person of love. Be a person of who follows Jesus in this world. That's what I want from you. It doesn't change. And so, and, and that's what I think we need to focus on. So this year, let's keep things simple as the world goes crazy around us. And let's help each other follow Jesus. Let's invite others to do the same. And let's form habits and relationships that help us do that. Amen? Amen. All right, let, let me pray. I hope that was fun. Like, I found that fun because I always read that as a kid and gone, oh, man. Oh, man, maybe it's China. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's the atomic bombs. I don't know. But then to have someone break it down and say, oh, be a bit careful. You're not Jewish. I'm like, okay, I'll be a bit careful. And then to really slow down and understand it was really helpful. So let me just pray. And then what we'll do is we'll... For those that are still with us in Zoom, um, we'll turn the phone towards the crowd and we'll have a bit of a sharing time um, and then we'll just um, close up after that. Let's pray. Uh, dear Lord, we just want to thank you so much that you are so good and that you that you care about us and that you're our shepherd and that you want us to yoke ourselves to you through all things. Lord, as you were with the believers through the fall of Jerusalem, you are with us now through all the turmoil of this world. And, um, and I pray, Lord, that... You know, while, while it's wise to study your word and understand things about the future that we can, help us not lose sight of our main commands. That is to, you know, follow Jesus, you know, to, 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 to obey all his commands and to love God with all our heart and all our soul and all our minds and all our strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, may these be the commands that drive us no matter what's going on in the world. And I, and I just, um, yeah, I just pray, Lord, that you would prevent us from being taken down roads where we put our energy in things that don't equal fruitfulness, that don't equal us following you in a better way. So I just, just thank you for the wisdom of scholars who understand things on a far deeper level and read things in Hebrew and, and understand the culture. Thank you that they can guide us through some of this hard stuff. Yeah, and we just um, pray that you would help us be people of the King, people of Jesus in this world. Amen.